Hebrews chapter 12. Don't freak out. Don't freak out. Hold your head. Hebrews chapter 12. We aren't uh, jumping back into our study through Nehemiah just yet. We're going to do that next week, diving back in to our study through the book of Nehemiah. I'm excited for that. Instead, um, we're going to be looking today at vision, specifically God's vision for us as his church here at Calvary Chapel Walnut Creek in 2023. Anybody get freaked out by those numbers of the year? 2023? That's just weird. When it comes to the area of vision, we might clarify that by saying, you know, clarity, insight, direction, the leading of the Spirit. It's important to know that God has a plan for our lives and He has a plan for His church. And I'm not just saying our specific local expression, our local branch of His body within the greater big C church in the world. He has a plan. He has a vision for His church. And His vision as I've read through his word multiple times, as I've been walking with the Lord now for some time, I found it's not complicated. We complicate it. But it's not complicated. Instead, it's rooted in simplicity. See, we're not called to come up with the vision. No, it's God's vision. He gives it. And and maybe... On a personal sort of level, his vision for our lives isn't always fully clear. It might not always be easily understood by us. Or maybe at times we're uncertain of his timing when it comes to his plan for us. But whatever he's spoken to us, whatever he's left for us in his word, whatever he's revealed to us of his vision by his spirit, maybe even in more um, personal sorts of ways. We're to live out the things he's calling us to. I'm a firm believer that a church that has a united vision is a powerful tool in the hand of God and an effective force for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Vision is important and a clearly communicated vision is needed So we can run this race as a church, a community of disciples of Jesus Christ with the right focus, with unity, and not wavering from the things that Jesus has called us to. But having said all that, having emphasized the importance of vision, I also want to admit that vision, both in it being communicated and in it being acted upon, has been lacking here the last few years, and I take the responsibility and the blame for that. Once the pandemic hit in 2020, much of the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Walnut Creek became reactionary instead of proactive when it came to the vision and mission. I knew, and I had preached to you multiple times that I knew God had given us Trying to hear the voice of the Lord and discern the leading of His Spirit has been difficult the last few years. And instead of just moving forward in the things that I already knew He had called us to as a church, I felt uncertain and stuck 
at times, and I know that's affected the overall health and growth of our church, and I want to just honestly just apologize. Um, Your pastor is very much human. That's not to make like light of what I just shared. But gradually over the last few years, and I've shared some of these things even with you guys from the pulpit. I've shared some of the struggles and things that for me personally of what I've wrestled through in this, you know, the, the, the time since early 2020. But, but gradually over the last few years, and especially since the spring of last year, the Lord has been pulling me out of that sort of stuckness, if you will. He's been continuing to graciously and patiently and faithfully meet me and speak things to me, and even more recently, uh, been clearly calling me to both refocus on and re-engage in his vision and mission for our church in this new year. But I believe this calling back to refocus and to re-engage isn't just for me, but that it's actually for all of us as a church. I recently went with um, Angela and and Lainey, my uh, three-quarters of my family, uh, to get our eyes checked out. And we went and had an eye exam, and they have all these fancy things that they do of imaging and all these things, right? I was the last one. So I'm hearing reports back like, okay, Lainey needs new, a new prescription. Her eyes have gotten a little bit worse, right? Okay. And then Angela, like, actually, you have a stigmatism too now, and, and you need uh, maybe a stronger prescription. It was like, okay. Then I go in like, okay, but I look at a screen like all the time, you know, studying and I'm reading and is my vision like, you know, am I going to need something? And he takes me in there and they put the, you know, they put the, the uh, stronger lens on like, hey, does this help? And I'm like, no, it didn't help because I actually didn't need the correction. My vision was not to like, you know, make myself look better than anybody else. But <laughs> at 44 years old, my vision, actually, I'm fine. I didn't need glasses. I had a floater in one eye, whatever that means. Right now, I'm okay. You know, sometimes we need some correction to our vision. Physically, I didn't need the correction to my vision, but spiritually and, and ministry-wise, there are some corrections that are needed, some refocusing was needed. I, I really sensed the Lord just saying, look like, just lead. Like, you know, I think it's in First Peter, those who lead to lead with diligence. Okay, Lord, I want to lead with diligence in this new year. You know, the last time we had a vision Sunday was three years ago, on the second Sunday of January in 2020. And little did we know then what was going to happen just two months later with the pandemic and lockdowns and everything that came along with that. And there's been so much the last few years that has distracted from God's vision for us as a church corporately, for us as disciples of Jesus individually, so much that's threatened to divide us from the unity, the singleness of focus God has wanted us to have, so much that's distorted and polluted the perception of Jesus' church in the eyes of the unsaved in this world and even in the eyes of many believers. How many believers just feel like, I don't even need to go back to church? Like the value, the, under, the understanding of the, 
of how important the body of Christ is and being a part of it, it, things have been diluted and polluted and corrupted over the last few years. And it's time for us to refocus. It's time for us to re-engage, time to recommit ourselves once again to Jesus' vision for our lives and this church so that we become everything He desires us to be and so that He can do through us everything He desires to do. Check out what we're told in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says there, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This passage makes it clear that our focus, us looking unto Jesus, and I love that the word us is there, right? Let us, the race that's set before us, our Christian life is to be lived out in community with other people who are also running the same race seeking to live the same life of faith. And, but we're all doing the same thing. We're all trying to run well. We all want to run with endurance. Man, have we sensed that the last few years, how much we need endurance to just not lose it, to not succumb to everything that's going on, to not, be, to not buckle under the burden of the just the, the, the jacked up things that are going on in our world all the time. God, give us endurance. Help us to run, looking unto Jesus. We need to have a clear focus. But this passage also makes it clear that God cares about our engagement because he calls us to run and to run with endurance. This passage of Hebrews 12 is a reminder of where our vision is to be fixed and where our vision for life is to be found, and that's Jesus Christ. He's not only who we are to stay focused on, He's also the one we're to be taking all of our cues from. The one who is the head of the church is the one that we're to be following and submitting our lives and this church too. He's the authority, the one with the plan, the vision, and the one who has a limitless supply of power made ready and available to us so that we can take the vision he's giving and live it out. He's supplying us with the vision and the mission, and he just wants us both personally and corporately or collectively as a church to be fully focused on and engaged in what he's already doing and desiring for us to prioritize continually. Now, there are three major areas of vision and mission. And for some of us, this is going to be like, you know what, I know these areas. Many of you are new the last few years. 
These are maybe new things for you to hear from the pulpit. But three major areas of vision and mission I believe God wants us to refocus on and re-engage in as a church in this new year. And each of these areas of vision and mission are non-negotiables. These are things that cannot and will not ever change for us as a church. And maybe for some even, it's sort of this study even maybe sort of clarifying or, or refocusing for your perception of what Jesus' church is to be in the first place. What's the purpose of us? So let's get into it. The first major area of vision and mission that God wants us to refocus on and re-engage in in 2023 is this, that we are to love God. God is calling us to love Him continually. It's what we were created for. Check out what we're told in Mark 12, verses 28 through 31. 31? I don't even know what I just said. 28 through 31, we read this. It says, Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he, speaking of Jesus, had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. You know how easy it is for like us to prioritize what we think is important? When we look at our lives, or maybe we look at our spiritual lives and our Christian walk, and we, we start to prioritize what's important. How often, if, I, if we were just being honest, how often is loving God the first thing on the list? Or, or is that sort of like, we feel like, well, of course that's, of course that should be there, but because we don't specifically in our minds go, no, that's the first thing, that's the main thing, that we start to prioritize all these things, and loving God sometimes gets le- left off the list. And because we're not loving Him, we don't even have the right kind of love for others, because how can I love others when I'm not loving God and receiving the agape love from God in my life? All I've got is me to give, my love to give, my perception of other people, how I think loving somebody else should look like, but it's not being referenced by looking to Jesus and seeing his ultimate example of love. We've got to love God. I love it in the book of Hebrews, and I feel like we've heard this maybe more so over the last few years of, you know, as in-person fellowship has dropped off for many people. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It is a biblical thing. Praise God, even in the midst of the time that we were separated, that we still had virtual meetings, like we did, not like we just didn't do anything. We were trying to connect with each other. We were still trying to get God's word out and his gospel out. But I love that we're, we're told to spur one another on. You guys know the other part? Love and good works. You ever notice, even when I've thought of that verse, you know what part actually sticks out to me more? 
is the good works part. I don't know why that is. Why, when I think of us coming together, we need to spur one another to do things. It's part of it, but it's the second part, right? What's the first part? To love. I think ingrained into that is this reference point here. We're to spur one another on. It's part of why we gather. Why we gather? To spur one another on. We're, we're encouraging one another. Love God. Love Him. And then love one another. The first and primary primary goal and drive of our Christian life and of this church is to love the Lord our God with all that we have and all that we are. Loving Him is the thing that He's wanting us to excel in, to prioritize above everything else in our lives and to not lose focus of. And when that primary thing is happening, where we're truly loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we will then love our neighbor as ourselves. because God's agape love pouring into us will never stay just with us. It'll always pour forth from us onto others. Check out a different passage, also very important in understanding this first element Mark chapter 3 reinforces this. Mark 3 verses 13 and 15 says this, And he, speaking of Jesus, went up on the mountain and called called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. Then he appointed twelve that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons." Before Jesus ever sent the disciples out, he just wanted them to be with him. And that part of it was never supposed to change. That specific order was never supposed to be reversed. See, if we lose that primary thing, which is just loving God, enjoying a love relationship with Jesus Christ, we can be doing all the right things, we can be believing all the right things, but fall under the same indictment as the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, where Jesus said to them, you have left your first love, so repent. It almost seems out of place. When we read that whole writing to the church of Ephesus, that letter, it's like, this church is awesome. I mean, their, their doctrine is awesome. They're refuting false teachers. They're doing all the right things. I mean, these guys are solid. They've got outreach programs, most likely. And Jesus is like, that's all great, but you, you've left that first love. You don't love me like you used to. What, what does it mean to repent? We turn from the thing that's taking our attention away, that's taking our love away, and we turn back to the Lord. God, I just want to love you with every bit of me. Individually, and as a church, this is the first and primary thing God is wanting us to be about, loving Him. And this love for God should well up in us a radical worship of him. I want to 
I forgot to tell you guys this. When we went and did the joint Christmas Eve service at Fair Oaks Church, uh, Pastor Chad had told me afterwards, like, man, people were singing. I could hear people singing. Are your, are your, is your church, like, are they, like, really into singing? And I'm like, well, we sing. I don't, I mean, I thought it was all of us. And he's, how he put it, it was like, we brought the singing. And I'm like, that's awesome. Because that's the thing, when I'm thinking about us on Sunday mornings, you know what blesses me? As much as I'm thinking about the Lord in our times of praise, you know, as I hear our voices being lifted, man, that does something in my heart. Now, we can sing the songs, we can lift our voices, and our hearts are not engaged with the Lord. I know that. But more and more, would the profession of our lips and the state of our hearts match? We're singing to the Lord. Our hearts are there. Our hearts are in it. God, you have me. Have every bit of me. Lord, I love you, and I want to worship you, and I want to praise you, and I want, I want to exalt you. Why? Because, God, you're amazing. You've done amazing things in my life. Man, that worship sort of dynamic, it's, it, it's powerful. It, it, it's a witness even to other people that would join us. Man, these people know the Lord. They love the Lord. This God that they're worshiping is real. But, but we won't grow in our love for God if we're not tending to, if we're not cultivating our love relationship with God in Christ. We've got to spend time with Him. How do we grow in our love for God? Spend time with Him. Listen to His word and then obey Him. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments, Jesus said. But, but how are we to, to refocus it and re-engage when it comes to this first major area of vision, vision and mission of loving God? I'll learn how to talk one of these years. Amen. We, we do this by actively and intentionally making our church experience about Jesus and not about us. Seeing every part of every gathering as an opportunity to love and worship God with our whole hearts. Which means we come Sunday mornings with our hearts and minds prepared to meet with and love and worship our Lord. I want to encourage you, don't approach your church involvement haphazardly, by chance. You know, when you're going to bed the night before, think about and prepare. You know what? I want to get up at a certain time. I, want to, I don't want to get there late. I want to get there actually early. I'd like to be a part of the prayer time. I want to be a part of the setup. Maybe it's just like, I just want to get there so I have a little bit of time to fellowship before the service starts. I want to be able to get my kids into church. And this isn't a diss. I'm not, this isn't a condemning word. Just as Julian was sharing in the opening worship of knowing the storm's coming, and so he's preparing the rain gutters, the, which I tried. I watched your story on Instagram, and I'm like, I need to get out there. It did something to me. I'm like, I got to clean out my rain gutters. What do I have? I'm like, I've got this janky uh, rake that doesn't even fit in there well. 
Like, I got half probably of the rain gutter cleared out. But, you know, like, that, that, his preparedness wanted me to prepare. It did something to me. But what about if we approached our, our, our time with the, the people of God, our, our time with the Lord in the same sort of way? God, I want to be thoughtful. I want to approach it. Lord, I, I'm coming because I love you. I'm, I'm being engaged with your people because I love you and I want to love them. Do we see incredible value in our time gathering with the saints of the Lord? Or are we just trying to fit God in whenever our hectic schedules allow? We have to resolve in our minds that, that our highest good as the people of God is to give him all of our love, all of our worship, every part of us. You want to make a resolution this year? Make that the first one. God, I want to love you. I want to worship you. I want to be fully surrendered to you every single day. Loving God is what will lead us into right love for others. But, but we won't have that right love for others if we aren't first loving God. But, but again, this is that first area. We're to love him. We've got to be committed to that. We've got to be focused on that. We have to be engaged in that aspect of what God is desiring for us as a church. Moving on, though, the second major area of vision and mission God wants us to refocus on and re-engage in in this new year is that we're to equip the saints. God is calling us as a church to equip his people, his saints. That's us. Which, which primarily happens through faithfully teaching the Word of God. Check out what the Apostle Paul told the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12. Paul there says, And he, speaking of Jesus, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. God's calling upon me as a pastor teacher, and that is actually uh, one description there in the Greek, is to teach the Word of God so that we as the saints of God would be equipped for the work of ministry, for the edifying, the strengthening, the building up of the body of Christ. Why? Because Jesus is completely invested in His church. You, us. The, the teaching of the Word of God equips us to be able to minister, to serve God. Whether that's ministry in our home, or at work, or, or out in the community, or here on Sunday mornings, or at any of our gatherings, or wherever it is that God puts us. God is always desiring to equip and prepare us because He wants to use us to draw people to himself and bring himself glory and because he's desiring to use us to be a blessing and a source of edification building up of others in his church again this equipping is to edify it's to build up it's to strengthen the body of christ you and me 
we also see this second major area of vision and mission of equipping the saints taking place in what the early church prioritized in the book of Acts. We find this in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. This is after Pentecost, after that day that really the church was given birth. We see this, Acts 2.42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. You've probably heard me say this before. Many call Acts 2.42 the four pillars of of the early church, because in that verse we see the four things the early believers prioritized and weren't going to let go of. First was the apostles' doctrine. We would say the Word of God. We're going to continue steadfastly in God's Word. We're not going to get caught up in fads and other things, self-help. The Word of God is what we need. In fellowship, And we got to be together, but we want to be together with Jesus at the center. We're going to break bread. And, and, you know, I think specifically in this verse, there's there's more of a reference here to communion. But from verse 46, we also see that they were eating meals together. We're together. We're enjoying time together. We're also remembering Jesus' sacrifice upon the cross. And then the fourth thing is prayer which would involve that aspect of worship. They continued steadfastly in these four things. They prioritized the large gathering in the temple and also smaller meetings in each other's home, and God gave them favor with all the people. Guys, home gatherings are just a part of the DNA of this church. It just is. There's something so sweet when believers are gathering in each other's homes. I don't know what it is. I don't know, you know, it's that, maybe it's that home environment. It's people have an opportunity to, to live out spiritual giftings and opening their home and their hearts, hospitality taking place. But man, it is so sweet. Yes, we get together. We have that large sort of gathering on Sunday mornings, but then smaller gatherings throughout the week in people's homes where the four pillars of the church can take place as God's people gather together. Man, that's what God desires for us. So we have men's fellowships and studies. We have women's fellowships and studies. We have home groups that are happening and will happen in the spring, excited and wanting to see God continue to gather us together to have that time where our roots are continuing to grow deeper in the Lord and we're building those relationships and greater fruitfulness can happen in our lives that trickles forward into the rest of our church. 
And notice from verse 47 that as they just kept things simple, as they loved and worshipped Jesus, as they prioritized those four simple things, the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. I don't see them being a church that's just driven by programs. They were a church that we just want to love God, we want to love others and, and be led by the Spirit. As they did that, man, like God was doing sweet things. And, and it wasn't like, and then they had this outreach, and then they had that outreach, and they had the feeding of this, and then they did that. It's like, I'm sure those things happened sort of supernaturally, naturally, as people responded to the leading of the Spirit in their own lives, but they were just living out their Christianity in, in front of the rest of their community, and people were going, man, I want what they have. What's different about you, Fred? I don't think there was a Fred back then. But if there was, they'd be saying it. What's different? Jesus. Jesus saved me. He forgave me of my sins. He, he made me a new creation. Like, he's wiped my slate clean. He's promised me eternal life. He's given me hope. I now have the love of God in my life. And, and you can have that too. The Lord added to the church daily. People are getting saved. Why? Because... The people within the church were just living out their lives with Jesus. They were being equipped through the teaching of the word to be able to then minister effectively in their homes and with their friends and at their workplaces and in the community. But, but how are we to refocus and re-engage when it comes to this second major area of vision and mission of equipping the saints in this year. Well, well, my calling as a pastor teacher is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That work of equipping, of discipling is also what God is calling each of us to within this church fellowship. We are to be a church of disciples who are discipling others. If God's been pouring into your life, if he's been doing something in your life, whatever he's pouring into you is not so you can just go, wow, I'm just going to keep all of this to me. Man, it feels great to be loved by God. Man, God's working in my life, but I don't really want to talk about it. I don't want to tell other people about it. Like, no, share it. Pour into somebody else. You see somebody else struggling, you, you minister. I don't see everything. I'm not God. I don't have the same sphere of influence you do. I'm not in your workplace. I'm not in your home. Sometimes. God's put you there. He's put people around you. He's been equipping you. For what? So that you can pour into somebody else. You can disciple somebody else. Discipling is not making a protege of you. I want little, my little mini me over here. Person dresses like me. They come to work with me. A little buddy. Little sister. Oh, like we're making disciples of Jesus. 
We're pointing people to Jesus. You and I are going to fail. Jesus isn't. We point people to him. We teach people about him. We speak about him. We're to be a church of disciples who are discipling others. This means we come Sunday mornings. We come during home group season, whatever various other church gatherings and meetings, not looking to get, but looking to give. Being open, being sensitive, being obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives individually, engaged in God's call upon our lives to be building others up in Christ, pouring into others spiritually as God has been pouring into us. Can I just encourage us in in something really simple? If God's been encouraging you, if he's been ministering to you in some way, make it a point to share that with somebody else, even if that person is not a believer. You know, God's been showing me something in his word. God's been convicting me of something in my life. God's been encouraging me with this, this thing. Watch what God does through something just as simple of sharing what God is doing in your life with somebody else. Watch how God works on somebody else's life through that. The witness of that. He wants to use each of us in the lives of others in this church, but this is going to require us to take steps of faith and the leading of the Holy Spirit to invest in others so that they also grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. When it comes to this second major area of vision and mission of equipping the saints, the the natural, supernatural progression of us loving Jesus, spending time with Jesus, looking unto Jesus, is that we will then look outside of ourselves and want to see others loving Jesus and looking to Jesus and living for Jesus too. Let me remind us, the heart of Jesus is for people. He wasn't focused inwardly, but outwardly on others. He spent his days investing in people and much of that with his disciples. His heart was for his disciples, so he invited them in. And he spent time with them, and he lived his life with them, and he taught them, and he served them, and he called them out to greater places of faith, and he empowered them, and he gave them opportunities to serve, and he he was an example to them. And this is to be our heart for other believers too. So we've looked at this second major area, but let's move on into our final area here. The third major area of vision and mission God wants us to refocus on and re-engage in is this, we're to reach the lost. You know, we, we could argue that reach the lost may come like after loving God. But part of us really being effective in reaching the lost happens because we've been being equipped to then reach the lost. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. He said that in Luke 19, verse 10. And he's entrusted his gospel to us to share with others so that they can come to a saving knowledge of Jesus just as we have. God is calling us to reach out to the lost in the world around us with the love of Jesus and preaching 
the gospel of Jesus. We already saw that God is desiring us to love him and then to love others, but we can't forget that loving our neighbor isn't just speaking of a fellow believer, but it's also speaking of those who are steeped in sin and darkness. Do we ever, I don't know about you, do you ever forget that like you were just as much of a sinner as the person that you feel like, God, I don't know if you're ever going to reach them. Other people might have been saying that about you. I don't know. They're really messed up. They're really prideful. Person's a jerk. And then God God got a hold of your life and he saved you. And now we're looking at other people and we're like, I don't know. They're a jerk. They're rebellious. They're steeped in sin and darkness. It is helpful for us to remember who we once were as we look at the people around us. Guys, we need to reach out to the lost with the agape love of God, and they need to see his love in our lives. Uh, Check out what Jesus said in John 13, verses 34 and 35. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The world around us is going to know that we're disciples of Jesus Christ if and when they see the love of Jesus at work in us and through us, and this love has to be shown. And we do this individually and as a church by first looking to Jesus being empowered by his spirit, living like Jesus, taking and making the most of the opportunities he gives us with those he places around us. And there's a passage in 1 John chapter 3 that shows us part of how we as a church are to reach out to those around us. John, uh, 1 John sorry, chapter 3 verses 16 through 18 says this, uh, the apostle John writing, he says, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. I believe outreach is more than an event to be put on. Although outreach events are great. Easter is one of those for us here. We love Easter and getting to have sort of a main focus of our time. But but there are other events I'm praying that God, I even got an email about a potential trip to Mexico to join with another church that I'm waiting to get more information on. But there's going to be opportunities to outreach in the event sort of sense. But outreach is the way each of us are supposed to live. If we're waiting for the event, we may not be very outreaching as an individual. Well, when, they have, when the church does this thing, then I'll get involved with that. Then I'll be more intentional in sharing the gospel. No, be outreaching in your day-to-day life. Not just the event, the way we're supposed to live and to love and to see people and respond to needs and, and to reach out to those that God puts around us. Too much of a 
unhealthy emphasis on missions has been put on the missionary that goes to another country. That's important. God has blessed it. God has used it. I pray God would do that here. God would raise up people here that have a heart for international missions. But there's lost people literally across the street from you. And in your workplace, most likely. Maybe even in your home. God has called us to be on mission to those that he's put around us. Who's he put around you? Make a list maybe. Who's he put around me that doesn't know him? And start praying for those people. God, help me to know how to reach out with your love and your gospel to them. Give me opportunities. Our love is not to just be one of talk, just saying how much we love people or saying that we care about their needs. It needs to go beyond words. It needs to be exercised in deed and in truth. To love in deed means that there are actions that back up the words or maybe are even in place of the words. And to love in truth means to love with sincerity, genuinely from the heart. We can't say that we love people, but at the same time be shutting up, closing up our hearts toward those around us. We're to be looking for opportunities to love others in deed and in truth. But understand that when we seek to love others like Jesus, it'll always require some sort of sacrifice on our part. Just as Jesus' demonstration of love cost him his life, agape love will always cost us. But the cost is always worth it because it honors and glorifies our Lord. So, so part of how we reach the lost is by loving indeed and truth, but you know, loving like Jesus loved us and gave himself for us. But the other part of how we reach the lost is by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is embedded in Jesus' great commission to us. I've said this in the past, but I haven't said it in probably a number of years now. But um, if you've ever heard that expression, you know, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. I will reemphasize to you again today, that is the dumbest thing that I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I'm sorry, whoever invented that saying, God bless you, but the gospel message is a message that must be communicated. It's a message to be communicated. So to say, preach the gospel and when necessary, use word, it's missing the point. Preach the gospel and use word. Preach the gospel by your life and actually preach it with your mouth. Or if it's through sign language, preach it through the sign language. If it's preaching it through Instagram or, or a text message or an email, preach it. It needs to be communicated. It needs to be understood so that it can be received. In the commission Jesus gave his disciples and is still giving us as his disciples today, he gave his vision, his plan, his mission that he wanted them and us still today to stay focused on and engaged in. Check out Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. It says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Not one of us as disciples of Jesus Christ is exempt from Jesus' commission. This world is in desperate need of Jesus, and you and I are who Jesus wants to use, who he wants to send out into this world. I love what Pastor Bill said last week. He said, you know, we don't have a bunch of Billy Grahams, we have a bunch of us. I think we want to like put Matthew 28 and like, you know, Greg Laurie or some other evangelist, like that's them. Go and preach and make disciples. It's like, no, that's each of us. to tell people about the Savior who loves them and died for them and wants to save them from their sin and an eternity in hell and save them to himself because he just wants them. Jesus said to go, but then he also provided the power to go, the power to fulfill the commission. We see that in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, and then in verse 8 where it says, in being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And this is what we find happening about 10 days later on the day of Pentecost. Jesus making good on his promise. Jesus sending his spirit. Jesus providing the power to be the witnesses that he called his disciples to be. And he's still doing the same thing today. Just as the commission is still for us today, the promise of the empowerment of the spirit of God to be witnesses to Jesus in this world is also still for us today. Understand our lives will never look like Jesus is. We will never be able to fulfill the commission of Jesus apart from being filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. You and I know what we can produce on our own. And it doesn't look like Jesus a lot of the time. But how are we to refocus and re-engage when it comes to this third major area of vision and mission of reaching the lost in this new year? Again, as my, uh, my calling as a pastor teacher is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, another part of that work of equipping us as saints is so that we take the gospel we re- we've received and share it with others who don't yet know Christ personally. We are to make disciples of those who aren't Yet disciples, the lost. In order for disciples to be made, the gospel has to be proclaimed. We are to be a church of disciples who are making other disciples. Remember, Jesus has power for us to be his witnesses, but it's going to require faith on our part to step out and share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with those the Lord has placed around us. It's going to take dependency, relying upon Him and not upon ourselves. 
he's going to place opportunities in front of us in this new year to be his witnesses both individually and corporately as a church. And guys, I'm excited for what he'll do in this new year as I'm fully confident he wants to use us as light and salt for him here in the East Bay and beyond. Guys, God is not done working. There's new things he's wanting to do, new ventures of faith that he's going to call us to embark upon. So we've all got to keep our eyes fully focused on Jesus as we run this race together, engaged wholeheartedly in his vision. And before we come to a close this morning, I want to commission you in a sense. I want to encourage you all to do something this coming week, and that's to re-listen to the last Nehemiah message I gave on Nehemiah chapter 1, titled The Preparation of God's Servant. You can find it on our website, on our church app, or the podcast. But then to be praying, be praying specifically that God would make you that person he's seeking who will make a wall and stand in the gap before him on behalf of others. To be praying about the gaps that God reveals to you. And would that work that he wants to do in us individually, would it impact our church corporately in how he wants to use us in our community here? Guys, I believe God is going to lead and direct and empower us by his spirit to carry out the vision and the mission he has for us as his church. I'm excited and encouraged by the reminder of what his vision and mission is, the things he's called us to. I'm committed to his call to me to refocus and re-engage. I, I pray you will be too, and I'm thankful that I get to serve Jesus alongside each and every one of you as we partner together in serving and glorifying Jesus in this world. And I'm believing God at his word that he is able and wanting to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us and that to him will be all the glory in this church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to have the worship team come back up. You know, for those of us who are disciples of Jesus, who have been saved by the grace of Jesus, God's vision and his mission is clear. And the encouraging part is that first, he just wants us. He just wants us. He didn't save us just so he could use us. Like, I just want to use you. I don't really care about you as a person. I don't really want you by me. Just kind of go. I'll save you, but then go. He's going like, I saved you because I just want you. We're wanted by God. We're desired by God. We're loved by God. And in return, he's just going, love me. Love me. And would we do that? Would we make that our highest priority in this year? But then from that place, he wants to use us so that those in his church will be built up and encouraged, that we would have a, 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 an outward sort of focus, not an inward focus. God, how, what do you, what, how can you use me? How can you make me a blessing? 
How can you use me so that others grow into all that God desires them to be? And then, Lord, would you use me so that others who are separated from Christ will come to know him through our witness, our words, and our deeds? But for those who don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, his love for you and his desire to save and forgive you and have a personal relationship with you is also just as clear. I pray this morning there'd be some commitments being made. We, we commit to a lot of things. We make commitments every day. But are we committing ourselves to the things that are actually closest to the heart of God? The things that God values, the thing that he wants us pr- to prioritize. I pray that individually we would and that as a church we will. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word this morning. God, thankful that you love us, that, Lord, you want us, and that, Lord, you also want to use us. God, we desire, Lord, to have right priorities. Lord, that we would love you with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. Lord, we would be worshipers of you, Lord, in spirit and in truth. Lord, that there would be a devotion to our lives. God, that would honor you. And Lord, would also at the same time, Lord, stir others to love you too. But Lord, as we seek to love you, Lord, would you give us your love? First and foremost, Lord, we just want your love in us, God, to receive it more and more each and every day, to abide in you, to abide in your love. But then, Lord, with that love, your agape, Lord, flow through us to others, Lord, that we would love others with your perfect love. God, we know that we fall short in this area. Lord, our love is conditional. It's not always sacrificial. It's not always selfless. God, would our love match yours? God, would our love look like yours? Because it is. Because we've been receiving it and giving it. And Lord, would you help us to have an outward focus? Lord, help us to see ways that you want to use us in the lives of others in your church. God, to see that ministry opportunities abound. Help us not to be blind to those things, Lord. So caught up in our own uh, things that we have going on. The busyness of life, Lord, that we wouldn't make the time, give you room to, to actually move in our lives and through our lives. And so, God, would you make us a blessing God, would you make us a source of encouragement and and edification, Lord, to build others up in your body. That we would know how to minister to one another effectively, Lord. That we would be disciples who are making disciples, Lord. Pouring into others. But then, Lord, would we remember, Lord, that we're to call to make disciples of those who aren't yet disciples. Lord Jesus, would you be on our lips, Lord? Would we speak of you? Would we share, Lord, your 
good news, Lord, your gospel with lost people. Lord, those who don't yet know you, Lord, that they would come to that place of surrender just like we have, Lord. That, God, those who are in darkness, in the shadow of death, would find light and life and hope be brought into the kingdom of Jesus. Lord, would you do that, God? Even now, would you be convicting hearts, Lord? Would you be convincing, Lord, our friends and family members and coworkers and neighbors, Lord, who don't know you? God, give us those opportunities. Lord, give us those open doors. Help us to love them well. Lord, would they know that we're your disciples because they see your love at work in us? Lord, would they be drawn to you because they've heard your gospel come from our lips? Lord, make us those ambassadors of yours who represent you well in this world. God, we need your help, Lord. We need your grace. We need the power of your spirit to do it. But God, we're thankful that you supplied us with your grace. You supplied us with help. You supplied us with an abundance of your spirit, Lord, to do those things that you called us to do. Lord, help us to rely upon you. Lord, help us to walk by faith. God, would you use us individually, but Lord, would you also use our church collectively, corporately, Lord, in this year, Lord, make us that city set on a hill that, that others, others see, Lord, and go, man, I, I, I need Jesus. Lord, make us a beacon of hope in the East Bay, Lord, in the Diablo's shadow, Lord, in the Diablo's valley, the valley of the devil, Lord. That's where we are. And yet, Lord, we are the people of Jesus who you've redeemed. And so, God, use us in these days. Lord, give us opportunities, Lord, as a church to make you known. Lord, Build your church here at Calvary Walnut Creek, Lord. Bless your church. Empower your church, Lord. Provide for your church, Lord God. Protect your church, Lord. Unify your church. God, make us, Lord, an instrument in your hand that blesses your heart and glorifies you. And God, if there's anybody here today and they don't just first have a personal saving relationship with you, Lord. Maybe they've never surrendered their lives to you. Maybe they know about you. Maybe they've come to church and maybe their grandparent talked to them about you. But Lord, there's never just been that moment in their own life where they've opened their heart to you and just said, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need you to save me and forgive me. And if that's anybody in here this morning and you need to make that decision for Jesus Christ, Would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you this morning? If that's anybody in here at all and you're going, that's me, I I need Jesus, I need his hope, I need his love, I need his forgiveness, I need his grace. Well, God, would you continue to work by your spirit in our time of gathering this morning as we sing these songs of praise and response to you, Lord, would, God, would our our hearts be near as our praise goes forth. God, would you continue to have your way this morning 
And Lord, we commit this year of ministry. We commit our church. We commit ourselves to you this morning. Lord, help us to stay focused and stay engaged in your vision and mission, Lord God. We thank you. We love you, Lord. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.